Hey everybody, welcome back to, <laughs> get me to yawn too here. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast presented by the Denver Post. This is sports writer Kyle Newman, joined as usual by my colleague Ryan O'Halloran, breaking down a whole slate of topics on today's show, including NFL League meetings down in Florida. Ryan was there. He'll give all his impressions, observations from chatting with George Payton, Nathaniel Hackett, and more down in Florida. Roger Goodell addressed the Broncos' ownership search. We'll talk about that. Joe Ellis on the stadium fire in Power Field that we discussed on last week's pod that we discussed on last week's podcast. Also, some moves. Billy Turner signing, and is he the presumptive favorite to win the right tackle job? We'll break that down and then close the show with some thoughts on Russell Wilson and coaches, what coaches have to say about the Broncos' new QB, and the Broncos up and the Broncos up at number 64 in the second round on draft day. We'll, we'll talk about some possibilities there as we're still a few weeks out. So, Ryan, let's start off with the top of the news, top of the hour, and that's, of course, everything that's been going on in Florida this week. You were there at the league meetings talking to Peyton and everyone down the line. What was your biggest takeaways, impressions from those league meetings? Well, I'll start from the Broncos' perspective. Is Russell Wilson was a big topic, a big topic of conversation amongst coaches, executives, media, and uh, you know, and I'll start with George Payton. We we talked to George and Nate Hackett uh, on Sunday um, at the resort in Palm Beach, and you know I'll start with Payton is. You know, one thing we talked about is, is his draft, uh, his, you know, his options in the draft. You know, the, the Broncos right now do not have a selection until number 64, but they have a second. They have two-thirds. They have two-fourths. And, you know, he intimated, hey, maybe maybe they can't move up. I, I think they'd probably move up in one round. I think they're more likely to move down and maybe the third or fourth they get some extra picks. And so – you know, they still have holes. They still have, you know, they still got to figure out safety. They still got to figure out backup running back. Peyton said the door remains open for Kareem Jackson and Melvin Gordon to come back. Um, and I think that's still a possibility because obviously there's not a market for these two players right now, which increases the Broncos' leverage and they can offer less money. So, um, so that was that. Uh, with Hackett, you know, I asked him, hey, how do you go about uh, building a rapport with Russell Wilson before the offseason program starts? And he said, he says, right now, they're not talking a lot of football. They're talking about just getting to know each other as, as guys and coach and quarterback and, you know, in, in a process that they'll like to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, start up here April 11th when the offseason program begins. And, you know, one thing that Hackett said is, hey, this is going to be collaborative. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson's play caller has always been a coordinator in Seattle, hasn't been the head man. So, I think that will give Wilson some more ownership of the offense. And as Hackett said, this is going to be a, you know, a Wilson, how Hackett Bronco offense. And so I think that should be encouraging to the fans and, and encouraging to Wilson as well. And I saw some clips speaking of building camaraderie. Looks like Jerry Judy got out to Russell Wilson's place, catch some passes. So everyone can calm down about him missing oh. the other session. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did see Jerry was out there in San Diego and uh, you know, I asked, I asked, or, uh, I don't, maybe it was me, maybe it was somebody else asked George Payton about that and said, hey, you know, you, you like to see it because that's leadership in action. That's guys buying in, in action. And, you know, this, this is a Bronco roster. Had, you know, players on this team have had very little success. 
know, very few have even made the playoffs and only one Brandon McManus with, with the Broncos. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's good to see if you're a fan and if you're a, a coach or executive with the Broncos is setting that foundation. And, you know, I asked Nate Hackett, I said, what do you think of the videos? He said, oh, I'm not a big social media guy. Well, neither am I, but I still saw. Them. So I, I think, I think they probably will be brought to his attention sooner rather than later. So, um, you know, one thing, one thing is because they have a new coach, the Broncos were eligible to start coming up here on Monday, uh, but they decided to push it back to the 11th. Minnesota's doing the same with Kevin O'Connell. So they won't, so they can go straight through um, for the next, you know, two months basically. And you do get extra time as a new coach. So they won't be on the field for a while that we can see at OTAs until mid-May, uh, but they will be in the building. Of course, we'll be out there in Dove Valley tracking that and at denverpost.com slash Broncos. This is the first in Orange podcast, Kyle Newman alongside Ryan O'Halloran. And Roger Goodell addressed the media in person for the first time in a while at the league meetings. And the ownership search came up and he basically said, uh, yeah, it's, it's the highest bidders situation, but we do want diversity within these ownership bids. What was your take on Goodell's spin off that question? Yeah, and that's why I asked Roger is, how do you marry the two? You know, the league office, and um, they have a, it's not a mandate. Um, they have a request that they get, that part of the bid be people of uh, diverse backgrounds. The trustees, led by Joe Ellis, they have the fiduciary responsibility to the beneficiaries to uh, say that five times fast, to take the highest bid. Um I asked Roger Goodell how you connect those two, and Roger said you can still do both. And I think this is how they're going to do it. Is this is me talking? Is the price of this franchise is going to be so astronomical? Is I think the chances of somebody buying a hundred percent of it for let's say four and a half billion dollars is very minimal. There's not a lot of people who have that between the couch cushions. So I think what the league would like the Broncos to, and I think the Broncos are are. Uh, fine with this because they're, they're they're accepting these kinds of interest bids is let's say you have person a who buys 75 percent of the team and then you um, that means you have 25 percent left over you can split that maybe five ways or two ways or three ways to get some new faces uh, into the nfl and i i think and i think that's that's the that's probably the, that's probably the most likely course and, you know, I get people emailing me, well, they shouldn't worry about that. Uh, they should just take the highest bidder. Well, they are going to take the highest bidder, but it may be a group. And, uh, and, and, hey, if the league tells you that you need to be thinking about uh, diversity, then the, the, the team is going to also think about it and, and, and take action. But as Joe Ellis was, it was good to point out, it's not a requirement. If somebody comes up and forks over $4.5 million and says take it or leave it, it wins the auction and they own hundred percent, then this is a moot point, but it is, it is something to monitor and it's something that won't surprise me if, if uh, some diversity candidates are matched with the, uh, somebody who wants to buy the biggest chunk of the team. Of course, we'll be tracking that denverpost.com slash Broncos, the ownership search, the ownership, ownership, the ownership search. <laughs> search for a new owner. Yeah, that's <laughs> The search for the Broncos' new owner, last box left to check, at least the major one in this offseason, which they've already hired a new coach and brought in a franchise quarterback. But hey, let's uh, get your house in order first, right? Let's speak on that fire at Empower Field. 
happened last week, and Joe Ellis addressed it. As, as we were taping this. As we were taping this, the stadium was ablaze. Shout out to Denver Fire Department for putting it out. But as the DFD spokesman said, it was pretty significant fire. The sprinklers at the stadium weren't enough to quell the fire. Firemen had to get up there and do it themselves to, to get it out. But some significant seating damage, some box damage. And Joel said it's going to be a challenge to, to get that part of the stadium ready to go in time for the season opener, especially because of how the heat warped some of the beams. Yeah, um, that's, that was the first question I asked Joe, just, hey, give me an update. And he toured the stadium uh, last weekend before he came to Florida. And uh, he said, you know, when he saw the pictures, it, it paled to what the in-person view was like. And he did call it a significant event. Uh, 12, uh, 12 seats were damaged. Um, several hundred several hundred seats in that uh, club, club section. And the reason why it's going to take... Um, the reason why this is not an overnight construction project is supply chain around the world um, that's slowed down. And the you know one thing that makes you know Mile High Lao is the is the steel that you can stomp on. Those are basically melted in the fire, and so they have to uh, reorder those and replace those, even those that maybe were just a little bit damaged. So that's going to take some time. You know, the events this summer at the stadium this spring will go on as scheduled. They'll probably just cordon off that area. But the, the Broncos do have insurance. Uh, insurance One of their insurance policies is for revenue loss because of fire. And it was deemed an accident by the fire department. So, uh, and, and so, so no they, idea how this started still? I, I... No, and, I, I, and the fire department said it was an accident. So they are still investigating. So what they did rule out is that it was arson. Um, but I'm sure they'll have a report coming up. It, you know, is it, to me, what was interesting is, okay, how did it, how did it spread so fast? Right. Well, I think it's because the seats are plastic and the floor was steel and, and it just went and just spread quickly and they, and they got it under control. So, um, you know, one other thing Joe talked about is, uh, the transition once the new owner takes over and, and what Joe's role as president CEO will be. And he's made it known to, every candidate, every potential bidder he's talked to that he will not be continuing in this capacity. He is going to step aside and retire and be a Bronco fan, and, but he will be a part of the transition. Will that be a month, two months, six weeks? Uh, he's not sure, but you know, that it's quite possible by the start of the regular season, the Broncos will have a new owner, a new president, a new coach and a new quarterback. I mean, that is a lot of new people in new spots for the Broncos this year. And this is the First Orange Podcast. That's Ryan O'Halloran. This is Kyle Newman. So one of those new faces on the field this year will be Billy Turner. He signed with the Broncos. Met was introduced last week in a – was that last – is it a one-year deal, by the way, or two-year? One-year deal, and it was like Monday, right? It was, yeah, it was Monday. Uh, it was Tuesday. Tuesday. Is Billy Turner, and he was introduced to the media earlier this week. Earlier this week is Billy Turner. He was introduced to the media earlier this week, signed a one-year deal, and seems to be the favorite to start at right tackle. Last three years in Green Bay, he's got a lot of seasoning since he was with the Broncos last before that. And you look at the other options at right tackle, Tom Compton is a free agent they signed. And then also you got Calvin Anderson, who has filled in in spot duty over the last three years. So 
those are your three options. And it would seem to me that the veteran Billy Turner is the in-house favorite as of right now. Um, you know, part, quite possibly. Uh, skepticism there. I, skepticism. Okay, here we go. Yeah, I, I, I think some people in the media mafia was anointing him. Um, but we still but, got the draft uh, to get through. Well, that's my. That's where I was going. Is I don't. I don't think they. You know, they may not be done adding help at right tackle. Right. And here's why: is Calvin Anderson. I think at this stage, he's probably more of a swing tackle type guy. Uh, he has not played a lot of football, and uh, so that's one thing. Tom Compton can be an interior guy. He has a two-year contract. Billy Turner can play guard in a pinch, um, if need be. But you know, maybe it's a draft pick and Billy Turner competing for that starting right tackle job. You know, and and. You know, one thing Nate Hackett said about when he was asked about the offensive line this week was, you got to throw everybody everywhere and play the best five. Well, in theory, you can say that, but in, 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 in execution, probably not, because, you know, Lloyd Cushenberry is not going to play tackle. He's going to play center. He's going he's gonna, to gonna compete at center. Um, he did, uh, Nate Hackett did say on Monday that he's looking forward to seeing Quinn Miners a right guard. I think Quinn Miners is pen, penned in a right guard. Garrett Bowles a left tackle. Everything else should be open. Um, you know, people want to run Lloyd Cushenberry off, make him a backup. Not so fast. I, I like. I wouldn't mind seeing Graham Glasgow compete against Dalt Reisner for the left guard job. And uh, then at right tackle, there could be a lot of guys involved. So hey, real we're, quick we're there, Ryan. See a lot of matches. Yeah, real quick there, because that's been a lot of conversation specifically regarding Graham Glasgow's role. And is he going to switch to center and take over for Lloyd? Is Lloyd going to be the backup? Uh, is is he going to play right guard and Quinn Miners is going to be the backup to Glasgow? I mean, what, what's what, how do you see it fitting right now? And, and you think Reisner should be given the shot or a run for his job, but it seems he's pretty cemented in there at left guard. Yeah, he's a legend. Just ask him. Uh <laughs> Quinn Miners, I think, is their best guard right now, and he should be he should be the right guard. Um, everything else, I mean, Graham Glasgow has struggled with health, and so are you confident he can make it through 17 games or whatever position he plays? So, if I had to throw the dart at the board right now for Week One, I'd go uh, Turner at right tackle, Miners at right guard. I think Glasgow at center. Uh, I, and I think Reisner at left guard and then Bowles at left tackle. It's got to play better. Uh, Bowles has to be better than he was last year. Same with Reisner. If, if Cushenberry plays, he needs to be better. Quinn Miners is on the right track after playing the last half of the season as a rookie. And then right tackle, uh, you know, let the best guy win. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot to be decided there. And what we're going to see during the OTAs we're allowed to attend, and especially during the first couple of weeks of training camp, you're going to see a lot of combinations. And that's the First Orange Podcast brought to you by Denver Post, Kyle Newman, Ryan O'Halloran. So discussing the O-line combinations and right tackle, especially it's been a black hole for the Broncos. 20 different starting right tackles since 2013. And Russell Wilson needs protection. He doesn't want to get battered around like he was in Seattle. And, of course, he publicly complained about that. But, Ryan, you mentioned at the top of the show, lots of buzz about Russell Wilson, uh, regardless of his O-line situation, obviously, coming to Denver in the mega trade. What were you hearing from other coaches about Russell and his potential in Denver around the league meetings this week? Yeah, the best line was from Robert Sala, the coach of the Jets, previously the defensive coordinator in San Francisco, so he went against Russ several times. And one thing Sala said is, hey, come fourth quarter, he puts on his cape, becomes Superman. And he said, he goes, 
you could be up 14 with two minutes to go. Game is not over because Wilson knows how to score fast, throw it down the field. As Brandon Staley, who faced them three times with the Rams uh, in 2020. Brandon, of course, was a Bronco assistant here in 19. Now the Chargers head coach. He said he called the uh, he called it the G T H I. Gotta have it. Red zone, third down, two minute. Those gotta have it situations. He said that acronym a little bit a little bit quicker than I am, but Brandon is probably a lot smarter than I am, as I tell him often. Um, so it, that it, it was all high praise, and uh, I can't close this either. Give me a second. You're good. And then, and, and then one other one other Wilson Andrew. I was talking to Tony Baselli, the Boulder native who's going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in August, and he does a lot of Westwood One games on national radio, so he's seen Wilson. And, and one thing Tony said is, is this, he gets everybody in the stadium, fans, coaches, owner, executive, players, that his team is going to win. And that's what this organization needs is that belief that the guy under center is the guy to lead them to victory. So you're seeing it with those throwing sessions. Guys are buying in. Guys are believing. So, and also in talking to coaches, maybe even if they didn't say it, was it between the lines, is the the hype and the expectations everyone's feeling around Broncos country in Denver that this is now a contender again. Super Bowl is realistic to get to and win. I mean, is that vibe being felt around other teams regarding the Broncos with this Wilson acquisition? Um, yeah, you know, they are a threat, but this is the toughest division in football. Right. And that's what a lot of people wanted to talk to me about is, hey, you know, how do you think this division shakes out? And I thought George Payton made a good statement on Sunday. It was asked about the division. He says, of course, you pay attention to what other teams are doing. He says, and he says, the Broncos have not done a lot in this division in five, six years. They got to worry about themselves first, getting their house in order, and then challenging the other teams. I thought that was a pretty accurate statement because this team has not played well in the division during their playoff drought. You know, not only have they not beaten the Chiefs, they struggle against everybody. And the other, you know, they're Chargers and Raiders too. So, um, you know, if you know, to me, the strength of this division, if you can go three and three, then you got to beat up on your other non-division opponents. That's how you're going to make the playoffs. And this is the first Norge podcast brought to you by Denver Post, denverpost.com slash Broncos. Another interesting comment I thought Peyton had was that, hey, yeah, there's a lot of hype, a lot of praise for him in his first full year here as GM, all the moves he's made, trading for Russ. But right now he's still a 7-10 GM, as he noted. He, this team has still got to go out and prove it between the lines and and put his blueprint in action. So that, that onus is on Russ and Co. And, of course, we'll be tracking that. Now, looking ahead to the draft, even though Peyton traded away some darts, he's still got a bunch of darts, starting at number 64 in the second round. So when the Broncos do there, we'll probably get into that more next week and weeks coming. But, hey, Trey McBride, they could use a, a tight end, and maybe they'll have to trade up to him. But who knows if he'll be around at number 64. But Trey McBride put on pretty good show at his pro day yesterday in Fort Collins, a 4.56 40 time. Pretty fast for a tight end. Second fastest tight end if you're looking at the pro day, if you're looking at the combine 40 times. So speed, he's got the Mackey Award for the best tight end in the nation. Really the haze in the barn, as he said, and it's up to the other teams. And, of course, the Broncos were there at his pro day, all the AFC West was, to decide on his value come draft day. 
Well, I think that 4.56 guaranteed that he will not make it to number 64. Yes. Um, it's just a matter if the Broncos uh, feel like they need to trade up 10 spots, 12 spots, et cetera. And you know, I think those is, you know, McBride, needed, you know, he did what he had to do yesterday and ran that fast 40. You know, there's, there's a, always a need for pass catching move tight ends who can block a little bit. He checks that box. Um, you know, what were, you know, you mentioned one of his comments, you know, what else did he have to say afterwards? You know, he's surprisingly emotional at the uh, CU indoor practice facility. I think it was kind of hitting him like, Hey, this is it. This is the end of my college journey here. You know, went to the senior bowl, impressed, caught a touchdown, impressed during practice all week, uh, went to the combine, didn't run there. And now his, his pro day finished it off with the 40 time. And like you said, a 40 time that pretty much solidified him as a top tight end on the board. But he was, I think he still has got a chip on his shoulder, man. I mean, even after winning the Mackey award for top tight end in the nation, he still feels like he's undervalued, you know, in, in the eyes of the critics, so to speak, uh, whether that's cause he went to Colorado state, whether it's cause he's a little undersized, uh, whatever it may be, but he still feels like he has that chip on his shoulder. I'm, I'm anxious to see how it translates to the NFL and, and where he lands. Cause He's a very versatile player, can block a little bit, but like you said, more of the strength in being that speedy tight end who can make plays down the field, uh, short vertical routes, et cetera. Yeah, and you know, I think if you're if you're a NFL offensive coordinator or tight end coach, if you see on tape that he has the willingness to get his hands dirty in the run game, you can help him get better there. Right. You cannot teach four point five six. So, you know, draft him and initially it may be a little of a tough sled, like Albert O was as a rookie here at the Broncos in terms of run blocking. We saw him get better last year. We'll be tracking that, DenverPost.com slash Broncos, and of course all the locals heading into the NFL draft. More coverage coming on those guys, a la Chad Muma, Max Borgie, etc. This has been the first Orange Podcast brought to you by the Denver Post. Kyle Newman alongside Ryan O'Halloran. DenverPost.com slash Broncos for more analysis. Appreciate listening in to today's show. Come back next week for more analysis. And until next time, folks, take it easy. And until next time, folks, take it easy.